It's good to be back and search the scriptures today. What a blessing it is to be able to open up God's word and over the medium of radio, share his teachings with so many on such a widespread basis. And not only on the radio program here on this station right now, but by means of the internet, so many people across the world can listen and study with us on an ongoing basis. We're thankful to have that opportunity, and we pray that we're being faithful to God in our responsibility and blessing to be able to teach his word by this means. We're thankful for you listening, and we know that so many are listening regularly, uh, some either daily or close to daily, and others as they have the opportunity and the occasion, and then there are others who might listen every now and then, and there are always new listeners. We're thankful for every single one of you. You are important to us. It is encouraging to us to know that you're there. And as uh, Dennis has said a number of times, uh, you're listening probably, so many of you at least, on purpose. You tune in to this particular station and this particular program with a purpose. You want to study about God. You want to learn about him. You want to hear his word being taught and proclaimed. And we're thankful that you're there. It's always my blessing to be with my brothers in Christ in this program. That is Dennis Stackhouse, Dwayne Kennedy. And uh, they are just such a blessing to me as we strive to pursue this ministry uh, thoughtfully and responsibly. Dwayne, good to be with you, brother. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be with you as well. And it's good to know that our listening audience is continuing to follow our program and listen to the things that we teach here on Search the Scriptures. Uh, it is encouraging for me, and I know it is likewise for Dennis and Gary, to teach the Word of God. You know, we do this that we might grow in God and in a response to the knowledge that we have gained from a study of his word, we teach that you might do the same thing. That is, that you might grow in a knowledge of God and that you might increase in your response to his word. That is what God calls us to do, to do something about what we hear and not be hearers only. And we invite you to grow according to the word of God. It's good to be with you, Dennis. Thank you, Duane. Gary, it's good to be with both of you today. And as always, this really is a great time to come together, an opportunity once again to get into the Word of God and to share with others who are listening to the program. Again, we thank you for being with us today. We hope this time will be an encouragement to you and a time when you can grow in knowledge and grow in grace in terms of God and His Word and His will for your life. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really do make a very strong effort here on Search the Scriptures to bring God the glory through the efforts we put forth. You know, that's one of our bottom line purposes on this program. And we feel like the best way we can do that is to proclaim God's word accurately and clearly. Accurately, so that we don't need to be ashamed when we stand before God and Christ on the day of judgment. And clearly, so that all of our listeners can gain that understanding that may be lacking and can come to that increased knowledge of God's Word and, hopefully, cause you to make a decision to commit yourself to Him. Amen. And uh, that is, a, I think, a worthy goal for us. Absolutely. Now, 
Fellas, we're in the middle of a study on discouragement. And we're looking at discouragement in this particular study as a ploy of the devil to try to bring us down. Now, we're not talking about some uh, medical disorder that is true clinical uh, depression that needs the assistance of a, of a doctor and perhaps even medication. That's a separate issue, but that's not where most people are when it comes to discouragement. Right. Most people experience discouragement on what we might call a more common basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, something happens in their life and they get down. Maybe they lose their job, maybe they get sick, maybe a loved one dies, um, maybe there's a financial problem. Whatever it might be, they get discouraged. Maybe they're having a relational problem. And so there's tension in the home between husband and wife, between parents and children, uh, maybe between brothers and sisters. Uh, Maybe there's tension between friends or work associates. But whatever it is, it becomes a, 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 an opportunity, a means by which the devil can try to wedge his way into our lives and discourage us. Yeah. And if we can get down enough in our own emotions, well, then maybe he can persuade us to turn away from God. And as we do that, then he steps in more fully into our lives and he begins to have his way with us if yes. we're not careful. So discouragement is very, very powerful when it is used by the devil against us. We've been looking at Psalm 42 because this is a psalm that deals with discouragement. We're talking about a psalmist here who is experiencing deep discouragement and despair. He opens the first few verses by talking about how He, just as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Longing, the thirst that the deer has to get to the water. Well, he says, that's how much I thirst to be with you, God. Mm -hmm. Now, why is he not with God? Something's happened. He finds himself cut off to one degree or another. He says, my tears, in verse 3, have been my food day and night. So he's in deep despair. Mm-hmm. He's forlorn. And he, he goes on and gives a reason for that. While they, and he doesn't identify who they are in this particular verse, but later he does. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Right. Now in verses 9 and 10, he goes on and he says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So it's the enemies who are saying to him and taunting him with that continual question, where is your God? Where is your God? And the sense being, why did he let this happen to you? You believe in a God who has no power? Now that's kind of the sense, pretty much, of of why they're asking him that particular question. And so he says, Why have you forgotten me, God? And why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, verse 10, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So the taunts, the retorts, the challenges, 
putting him down continually. He says all day long. And we get the impression that it's day after day after day after day. They're ridiculing him because he apparently is either a prisoner of war or he's one of the Israelite captives during the period of captivity. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case, especially... The answer to his question is, you know, why have you forgotten me, is God did not forget you. You forgot God. That's mm-hmm. right. And we closed our program yesterday talking about this particular point. So many people, they ask that question or something similar to it. God, why have you let me down? Mm-hmm. Why have you answered my prayers? Why have you let this happen to me? Sometimes they accuse God. Why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer to so many people is, hey, God did not forget you. God did not walk away from you, at least not initially. You walked away from God. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne, as you put it yesterday, people enter into sin. They become unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that we need to ask ourselves if and when we are discouraged. Have I walked away from God? Do I understand who God is? Do I have the knowledge? And have I in some way forsaken that? And uh, the natural thing to do, as we we talked about in our last program, is to draw near to God. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. James chapter Mm 4, verses 7 and 8, as Dennis brought out. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do Mm -hmm. I do that? Draw near to God and Mm -hmm. he will draw near to you. That's That's right. So... So many times people will say, why, why did you let this happen to me, God? They'll blame God when they've left God. Now, how can you expect God to walk with you if you're not walking with God? How can you expect God to bless you when you are not being respectful to God because you're living in sin? Yeah, it's interesting, Gary, how... It seems like in the book of Judges, this very thing is brought out so clearly time after time after time. You know, God's people would serve him for a period of time, a generation or two, and then they forsake him. Yes. You know, and virtually without fail, the text will tell us either they did not serve God or they served idols. You know, they're talking about the same thing. God would then raise up some foreign people to come in and oppress them. And this would go on for a period of years. The people would cry out to God. They would repent. God would send a judge to deliver them. They'd be faithful for a period of time. Then they'd forsake God. And again, time after time after time. And it can be the same way in our lives too. If we think that God has forsaken us, we need to stop and think and look at what we're doing in relationship to God ourselves, because more than likely, we are the ones who have forsaken him. And so we have broken the relationship. That's That's right. right. And let me tell you, just believing in God does not mean you have a relationship with God. Not at all. You have to walk faithfully with him, Mm -hmm. and that means obediently. That's right. And if you're living in sinfulness, don't, don't try to fool yourself, and you're probably not fooling a whole lot of other people, you're not walking with God if you're walking in sin. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't, the two don't go together. It's like oil and water. Now let's go back to this psalm. And while these enemies are challenging him, chastising him, ridiculing him, taunting him, now some people might say, well, I've tried my best. I really do believe I'm living by the teachings of God's word, and yet I still have people criticizing me. Okay, in some cases that happens because, again, however the devil can work on us to break us down, effectively he's going to do that. That's right. Mm -hmm. And he'll use other people. Oh, yes. But now our Lord was criticized, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was. Challenged. And, um, you know, I, I'm thinking he even told his disciples on one occasion, if the world has hated me, it's going to hate you too. That's right. right. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. And how about reading verses 67 and 68, Dwayne? Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? So this was at his crucifixion, and it was really leading up to the crucifixion. That's right. And so the Roman soldiers were, were, well, they were abusing him, yes, beating him, belittling him. And so they blindfolded him and struck him and said, hey, now, which one of, you, which one of us did that, Christ? Oh, how horrible that right. kind of challenge was. Talk about disrespectful. Man, I would, I would hate to be one of them standing before Christ in judgment had they not repented by that time mm -hmm. and turned to him and have to have that particular charge facing me squarely that I had really, to a great extent, blasphemed the Son of God. Right. Wow. That's not the only time, though, he, was, he experienced that kind of thing, was it? Dennis, how about chapter 27, verses 27 through 31? Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Yes. Now this was actually the account with the Roman soldiers. The previous account, I had misspoken. It was, it was a case of some of the Jewish authorities were were ridiculing him and taunting him on, on that occasion but this is hard on the heels of that now it's the roman soldiers right they're going to do the actual crucifying and here they are challenging him and taunting him and and ridiculing him in much the same way mm -hmm. now let's look at another one Dwayne. luke 23 verses 35 through 37 and the people stood looking on but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, 
If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, he's on the cross on this occasion. All of these are very, have happened very close together. The Jewish authorities first in Matthew 26, and then the Roman soldiers in Matthew 27. And now we see a mixing of the Jewish authorities and the Roman soldiers. They're all mocking him. Yes. They're all mocking him. But all of these were his enemies on these occasions. And they taunted him and they mocked him similarly to what our psalmist is talking about in Psalm 42. Mm -hmm. Now, in Jesus' case, it certainly was not a matter of he had become unfaithful to God. No. No, it wasn't. He was simply fulfilling the mission that God had sent him into this world to fulfill. Mm Mm-hmm. He had to go to that cross. Yes. And the devil used his enemies to put him on that cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy. Thank God that Jesus had the love and the faithfulness to fulfill that mission. Let's go back to Psalm 42 now. And let's, let's examine that longing that this psalmist had to be with God. In verses 1 and 2 again, how does that read, Dennis? As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul thirsts for God, pants for God. Now, if you go a little farther here, in, in that psalm, you, you go down to verses uh, 6, 7, and 8. We read a little bit more. How does that read, Dwayne? Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All the waves and billows have Gone over me, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be within me, a prayer to the God of my life. Now, it seems to me that he is remembering home here. He is remembering what it was like back home. And he's recounting that. Oh, yeah, I I remember what the waterfalls were like. And I remember, you know, what the hills were like. Oh, that was home back there. And that seems to be, and and notice that he says in verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. And so he's remembering what it was like to be back in the promised land, to be home. He wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, he seems to feel that he's cut off from God. And he longs for the restoration of being in God's presence, being back with God, back in the promised land. Now, in Psalm 63, in verse 1, we read David expressing some similar feelings. How does that read there, Dennis? O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
and then drop down to verses 6, 7, and 8. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. David certainly found himself on different occasions, in fact, rather numerous occasions, where from a human perspective, we could say he might have felt like he was cut off from God. Right. Certainly. Enemies pursued him mm-hmm. over and over again. In some cases, he found himself basically cut off from freedom mm-hmm. if his enemies had just known he was there. Yes. And at one point, even his own son led a revolt, a rebellion against him and tried to kill him and take over his throne. Yes. Well, over and over again, he found himself in that kind of danger. And so he expresses similarly, as we read in in Psalm 42, you are my God, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. But then he says, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Mm -hmm. Now, he may be using some rather metaphorical language there to, to try to express, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm in a troubled place here, and I need you, and I long for you. That's really a very picturesque way of emphasizing the point of one's longing for God. You know, you, you think about yourself, if you were physically in a situation like that, a land that was dry, a land that was thirsty, a land that was without water, it wouldn't take very long. And that intense longing to get water would overtake us. Yes. You know, like someone who's lost out in a desert land. Yes, yes. Especially if we have known relief when we've needed it mm-hmm. as often as we are blessed to That's not right. have it. We need to learn the lesson from both of these psalms that we need to walk with God faithfully. Absolutely. And not put ourselves in the jeopardy of finding ourselves in a dry and thirsty land cut off from God perhaps because of our sinfulness. Right. My friends, we want to encourage you as we close the program today. Contact us, ask for that free Bible study, and begin to learn how you can walk with God faithfully, continually, and consistently, and have the assurance that God always is walking with you. We hope to hear from you today. 